All right, folks, Barack Lurie at the Barack Lurie Podcast. Thanks for tuning in today. Uh, first of all, wonderful thanks to everyone who has been so supportive of my new book, uh, The Kids, Keeping the Kids All Right. Uh, also, great big thanks to Dennis Prager for having me on his show. Uh, it's been great. A uh, lot of other interviews as well, and uh, things are just moving along beautifully. The, the book is doing enormously well. Uh, it hit Amazon at a ridiculously high spot, I think. Uh, not number one, but very, very high up there in the, the, the first couple of hundreds, I think. So that's, uh, that's pretty cool when you're talking about all the books in the entire world. Uh, so I'm very pleased about that. Uh, look, it's, it's a very serious issue. Uh, parents are understandably very, very concerned about what's going on in, uh, with their kids, and they want to make sure that their kids don't become woke. I, you know, I, that's, that's one of the biggest fears that I have or that I had, but I, I didn't really have that fear now, now that I think about it. I mean, I, I knew exactly how I was going to raise my kids. I knew ahead of time, especially about my boys, uh, if I had a boy, and, and of course now I do have two boys, I knew that I would have to fight this whole concept of toxic masculinity. And boy, have I done that, and I've done it really well. You know how I did it, uh, Devin? Yeah, I, I did it by uh, making them proud of being boys. Yeah, how about that for an idea? That's right. And, I, and I, I have a daughter also, and I make her proud to be a girl. And, and this is, it's wonderful for two reasons, maybe three. First of all, uh, it's the pride thing. It's, it's always good for a kid to be proud of who he is. And one of the best ways is to make him proud to, to feel different by being a boy or by, by being a girl. So you talk to them about that. The second thing, and, and we'll get more into that if I remember all these things. Uh, the second thing is it also... Uh, teaches them, uh, you know, to not only be proud, but also to understand that there is a difference. And when you do that and you say that there is a difference, then they don't start buying into this transgenderism crap. They, they can't possibly buy into this nonsense. So you get to laugh at it as well. So the third reason, well, I'll have to come back to that later because frankly, Devin and I forgot. Uh, it really, it's, it's very big deal with these, uh, with, with the issues of uh, transgenderism and, and everything else. You have to fight it so hard, but make them proud. So how do I do that? I, I talk about the differences between boys and girls. We, we boys, we love to build stuff. We like to, you know, run fast. We love the dirt and we like to, you know, blow things up. We like to fight the bad guys. That, that's, that's good talk for a young boy to hear. He loves hearing that. And likewise for a girl, uh, you can say, uh, isn't it great to, to see how wonderful the, the beauty is? You, know, you think that boys can handle all this beauty? You think they give beauty to the world or the aesthetic? No, not, not by a long shot. And of course, girls are more in tune with other people's feelings and boys are not. Aren't they stinky for that reason? You know, that, that's the whole point. And it gets you to identify with them and it gets you to, to feel proud of them and it gets them to fight back. So that's, that's just one area that I speak about in my book, Keeping the Kids All Right, uh, as well as the love of America, as well as the love of God and fighting against uh, evolution. And of course, the fight against global uh, warming, uh, because you can have a lot of fun with that too. Look, the, the reason why I came up with this book is that I see so many parents terrified of their kids getting into a place uh, mentally where they, they just break away from the family. And all of a sudden you're finding yourself as a parent having to defend God. You have to defend America. You have to defend uh, sexuality for that matter. It's weird. 
and you shouldn't be in this position. But what it means today is that you have to get in front of it. That's, that's all it means. It's actually pretty easy, but you've got to do it. Five to 10 minutes a day. That's all you really need, okay? Really, if, if you, I mean, think about it. Five to 10 minutes a day is not so hard, right? You, you could do incredible things with five to 10 minutes a day. If you did five to 10 minutes a day of uh, push-ups and sit-ups and such, you would start seeing great improvements in your physique and your weight uh, after a month. Now, obviously, if you spend a little bit more time, let's say 10 to 20 minutes, it's even better. But you get the idea. Just get in there. Yes, this is indoctrination. I, I don't want to uh, sugarcoat this at all. It's purely indoctrination. You've got to, when you're talking about God, when you're talking about the righteousness of your religion, Christianity or Judaism or whatever it might be, and your love of America uh, and, and that uh, the left is silly, yes, it's indoctrination. But you know what? Get used to it and get to it. Because if you don't do the business of indoctrinating your child, somebody else will. And they'll do it with great glee because they see your child as a little soldier to advance their woke agenda. All right, just keep that in mind. All right, now to the news, uh, or news items, I should say. All right, you're hearing this uh, story about Bob Menendez. It just came out. Uh, really fascinating. Uh, so, so what's happening is that he just got indicted. He and his wife, uh, apparently Nadine, uh, got indicted for bribery and all sorts of corruption. And this is on the heels of his previous uh, indictment and a trial uh, for which he was acquitted, uh, either on hung jury or otherwise, but very close to being convicted. Uh, back six years ago. So he's been convicted, uh, sorry, indicted at least twice in the past 10 years for more or less the same crimes, which is uh, the corruption and, and everything else. Um, and now we learn that apparently uh, they have a tremendous amount of evidence on him about uh, just you know, having a whole bunch of cash in his house, uh, <laughs> being, being bribed with gold bullion bars, uh, and all sorts of other uh, issues. I mean, cash right there, bullion bars, all sorts of uh, cars, Mercedes cars actually directly given to him uh, in exchange for influence. This is particularly from, apparently from the country of Egypt that wanted some uh, influence in the Senate. He's obviously a very powerful senator in, uh, from New Jersey. And so they got very excited about this. And now, now he's being indicted for this. Okay, so it, it calls up a whole bunch of stories. Whole bunch of thoughts, at least, and the first one is, you know, why would he be so stupid as to do this again? Right? Apparently, he started taking bribes once again, uh, only months after his acquittal or hung jury back uh, six years ago. I think it was in 2017. And what a, what an amazing thing that he would do this. You would think he would learn his lesson, right? So, so why would somebody do such a thing? Why? Is it because he thought, well, I got away with it? And therefore, I'm untouchable. No one, no one will ever uh, indict me again. Did he, did he really think that? And the answer, of course, has to be no. That's, that's like being uh, audited by the IRS, and you end up owing a small fine, and then you figure, well, you can, you can cheat the IRS again. Uh, no, you, you cannot do that, right? You, you would be more careful, if anything. So he, he went about only months later, starting to accept bribes and everything else. So you have to think to yourself, why would he be so stupid, right? And the answer might be that he is stupid, but he's not stupid. He's a very bright man, he and his wife. My, my thinking is this, and, and bear with me, Devin, on this one. I, I think I'm, I'm, not, I'm onto something here. I think that what happened 
was that it's not just bribery that accepted, but also he had to deal with blackmail. You see, once you accept bribery for anything, then the person that is bribing you with Mercedes cars, uh, gold bullion, or whatever it might be, they've got something on you, right? So what if you say to the, to the person who's bribing you, uh, in this case, some sort of Egyptian uh, emissary, some sort of agent for the, uh, the Egyptian government, what if you say to him, look, I, I just don't feel good about this. I, I got to stop. You know, I almost got uh, convicted previously. I, I got to be on the, the straight and narrow going forward. And that guy can simply say, look, uh, Bob, you're, you belong to us now. We own you. Well, how, how so? Bob would say. And he would say, well, because we've already bribed you before and you've accepted the bribes. We've got the goods on you. And so now <laughs> he's being blackmailed. That, that's a far more reasonable explanation as to why he would be so stupid, and I put that in air quotes stupid, um, to, to do this all over again. That, that is the only explanation as far as I can see it. And so they, they basically told him, look, you can continue doing this and we'll continue to give you good stuff. Uh, at least we'll pay you for your, for your efforts. Otherwise, uh, we'll just take you down and you'll be convicted for that. We'll, we'll show all the records. We have the goods on you. To me, that is the only thing that explains why Bob Menendez uh, ended up continuing to accept bribes. Now, the way he accepted bribes <laughs> was pretty preposterous. That was stupid, right? I mean, he really should have taken, uh, what is the expression, a page from uh, Joe Biden himself, right? I mean, he, he was a master. Uh, he should have created all these LLCs and, and S-corporations so that he could funnel whatever money or assets were coming to him from Egypt or whatever other countries he was being bribed from and, and use that as a way to launder the money uh, until it got to his pockets. But no, he, instead he took it directly from the Egyptian government, specific uh, cars, gold bullion, lots of cash that apparently uh, you know, tuck, tucked away inside his home. Uh, the FBI uh, has everything on him. So I, he really should have taken some advice from the master. Even Joe Biden's going to get in trouble, you'll see, but because um, the impeachment um, evidence is going against him. And, and that'll be something. But boy, oh boy, uh, you know, the president has a lot more power. It, he basically, he owns the FBI and the DOJ. They will only go after him if the, the heat is so strong upon the FBI and the DOJ as it is right now. Um, so we'll see. But Menendez, uh, well, he's going down. He's going down. That, that's the problem. Once you get involved in the corruption game, it is like a disease. It sticks with you everywhere you go. It reminds me of The Godfather, right? Where the whole point of The Godfather is that crime, you, you can't get out of a criminal racket. Once you engage yourself in the criminal racket, like, like uh, Michael Corleone and his father, Don Corleone, before him, uh, you, it stays with you, right? I mean, you hear Michael Corleone says, you know, five years we're going to be totally legitimate, right? And, of course, he ends up dying, still engaging in his criminal enterprise. He never becomes legitimate. And that's the whole point. And I think Bob Menendez ended up in that sort of criminal, criminal racket. You can't, you can't just have a little taste of bribery, right? You'll take it one time. It's, it's like a drug uh, that's both an addiction, but, but the addiction eventually controls you. And that's what happened with Bob Menendez. Anyway, look, we could be all wrong about this. Maybe the evidence is all being concocted, but I have a feeling it's not because we're talking about a Democrat senator. The last thing they want is to have a Democrat senator 
uh, being indicted uh, or being questioned and risking his Senate seat uh, with such a slim majority in the Senate right now, right? Because I think it's 51-49. So that's a big problem for them, especially with the... Um, uh, the dementia-laden uh, Feinstein and uh, what's, whatever is going on with Fetterman. And we'll talk about him later. But anyway, you, you get the idea. It's, it's, um, they, they don't want to do this, and yet they have to do this because it's so blazingly obvious. That's a big problem for Bob Menendez, and uh, I wish him well, but it looks like he's going down. I, I don't think it's the same thing as uh, all the attacks upon Trump, uh, which were concocted uh, items of evidence and, and concocted crimes. Uh, this one is real, and uh, you, you would think that they would do everything they could to hide this, but Bob Menendez uh, did this to himself. So uh, that's about it on that. So this uh, John Fetterman, this this senator from uh, Pennsylvania, this schmuck, um, look, I, I hope he's getting better from a mental standpoint, but for some reason he's decided that he doesn't need to abide by the dress code of the Senate. So how does the Senate respond? They say, well, we don't need a dress code anymore. We're, we're good with this. We're, we're, we're done with the dress code. <laughs> I, okay, let, let's take a listen precisely to how uh, our friends on the left, particularly on MSNBC, are approaching this whole thing. Okay, I think you'll find this fascinating. Despite the looming threat of a government shutdown, Republicans focused their attention on a different crisis yesterday, and that's the new Senate dress code. Last week, Majority Leader Chuck Schumer announced he was loosening the rules and the... Okay, but first of all, before we even get to that, I, look, look how she started off by saying, we're, we're having a debt ceiling and the Republicans are instead focusing on the dress code. No, we're not instead <laughs> focusing on the dress code. We can walk and chew gum at the same time. Of course, we're focusing on the debt ceiling. And of course, there are negotiations associated with that. But she makes it seem as if we're, we're not caring about that whatsoever. And these debt ceiling issues are, are uh, crises of the Democrats manufacturing. They're the ones who are reckless spenders. But she makes it seem as if somehow we're only focused on the dress code. But the dress code is indeed important. Let's continue on. The upper chamber to let all senators, including Pennsylvania Democrat John Fetterman, wear casual clothes on the Senate floor. So, so uh, Willie, I'm not a big fan of this uh, myself. I don't think they should. Uh, and yet, uh, to talk about, I mean, for Republicans to talk about debasing the institution. My God, did they, were they after, there on January 6th? Yeah, after what their own members did before January the 6th, on January the 6th, and after January the 6th. Let me tell you something, historians will be talking about Republicans debasing the institutions. They won't be talking about hoodies. All right. Okay. I think you got to hear enough. So th th this is how they have to approach it, right? They have to try to find a way to say that the Republicans are debasing it. But notice how they don't give a single example, right? It's not as if the senators or the congressmen or anybody political uh, went in and joined the crowd that trespassed on the Capitol on January 6th. And that's all it was, a, a trespass. Right. That somehow it, it, it gloms onto them. Right. It's it's a debasing of the entire Republican uh, stature and all the Senate and the Congress, for that matter. That's that's the way to look at it from their their point of view. Uh, this is not legitimate. Anyway, look, the way I look at this whole thing, why do I bring this up? I mean, it, it, it seems like an unimportant story, but in fact, it's a very important story. 
If anything, it's emblematic. That's, that's really what I want to kind of portray here. The, the fact is that when you have standards, and of course the Senate has had standards about the dress code, well, then you would expect them to live up to them. But this is just another example of how we are eviscerating standards, isn't it? Right? Isn't it emblematic? It's like the transgender issue, right? Some, some uh, tiny, tiny group of people throughout our great country are confused about whether they're a boy or a girl, man or a woman. And, and literally one out of 30,000 uh, 30, uh, people, generally speaking, that's a super tiny fraction. And we have to turn our entire world around them, right? You've heard me say this many times that we have to build new uh, bathrooms and we have to at least uh, change the signs and we have to be careful about our pronouns and never assume that anyone is a woman, even though she looks like a woman and so forth. Right. Isn't that the same thing with Fetterman? Right. It's one schmuck. The first time in history, one out of 100 senators and and of course, many more senators who have come and gone in the Senate. And he says, I don't feel like dressing up for the Senate, and then the whole Senate now changes its dress code. Isn't it entirely backwards? Shouldn't he be the one to live up to the dress code and not rather the, the, the Senate dress down to, to appeal to him? Why? I mean, if he were a Republican, we, we all know this, if, if John Fetterman were a Republican doing this, they would say uh, how, how despicable he is and how he doesn't respect the Senate and so forth. I don't think a Republican would do that because we believe in standards. That's the whole point. And it's not a surprise that the, the one senator, if you were to ask who, who's decided that he's not going to dress formally as required uh, in the Senate, um, who, what, kind of, what, what political party does he belong to? Surprise, surprise. It's the Democrat Party, right? Anyway, the point is that we're eviscerating standards. This is just one among many. And uh, Mitch McConnell brought this up. It's at like 240 years of the Senate. I think that's about right. And uh, this, is the, this is the first time it's going to be happening. And now we're eviscerating even that. Yeah, it's a sign of eviscerating standards. Uh, we've eviscerated the distinction between boys and girls, between adult and child, between teacher and student, for that matter. Uh, I mean, and of course, man and woman. These these are the things uh, in America and the rest of the world, for that matter, that that that, that Judeo-Christian uh, culture is completely not different from anything else. We're just as good or bad as other cultures. In fact, we're probably worse. But you see how see what's happening. I guess it's not just an eviscerating of standards. It's it's an eviscerating of distinctions. That that's what the left has been good at eviscerating all distinctions. They would say, well, what do you care? Right? I mean, same thing with gay marriage. That's a great example. Very few people actually wanted gay marriage. Okay, very few people. But they insisted on it. They made it a cause celebre. And next thing you know, we're suddenly uh, having to, it goes to the Supreme Court and we're suddenly having to honor gay marriage, even though by definition, marriage is uh, a, a union between a man and a woman. Right? I mean, it, it's, it's that basic but because of very few of them, and, and you know, most, most gay men, uh, certainly, there are a lot more gay men than there are gay women. Uh, most gay men are not interested in, in getting married. I, I, I know very few. I know a few men who want to get married. Fine. Great. I applaud them because they want stability and commitment. 
But a lot of gay men don't want that. They're not really interested in that. And that's okay. I'm not saying, I'm not saying anything bad about that per se. Um, but I, what I am saying is that it's a very small minority of the gay community, which is already a minority group in America, somewhere between 3 and 7%. And then, then a very small portion of those want to do so. So before you say, oh, well, wait a minute, you know, but don't they have rights anyway? Yes. And what, what about you? I, look, I live, I'm a Jew. I live in a Christian world. Uh, they don't honor my uh, request to, um, to observe Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur and Passover and such. They don't close down the whole world for me. I don't expect them to. I recognize that am I, I, I am a minority, even though we're about two plus percent of the American population, I'm a minority. Okay? That's what we are. We're, we're, we're a relatively small minority. And I don't expect to dictate terms. I don't. I like this country being a Christian country. I, I like the fact that things are closed on Christmas. I, I like the fact that Easter is given a lot of deference and a lot of things are closed on, on Easter as well. I do. That, that's the way it works. That, that, this is the way this country uh, worked in the beginning and, and it was founded upon these basic principles. So I, I give respect to that. But it's not the same respect that you're getting from, uh, from the gay community, from the transgender community. Um, and, and, and both of them are fairly small when it comes to the, the two issues I just mentioned, gay marriage and this idea that uh, we should somehow in invert our entire civilization around this extremely tiny group of people. All right. I mean, look, when was, la Devin, when was last time uh, anyone confronted you but when you said, uh, refer to somebody as a he or a she when, when that person wanted to be the, considered the opposite sex, right? It, n never, right? Yeah. It just doesn't happen. We, we normally talk about he, she. We, we point to that. We say that woman, that man. We, we, don't, we don't hesitate. They want us to hesitate because what they're trying to do is to, to break down the distinctions. Anyway, that's the whole point about this Fetterman uh, nonsense. It, it does seem to be a small tempest in a teapot, but in fact, it's actually a very big thing because it's, it's emblematic of how they want to eviscerate everything about America. Now, why Fetterman is doing this himself, I don't know why he can't dress himself or somebody, you know, dress him for himself uh, in, in a suit and tie. What's, what's the big deal? Why is that such a big problem? Well, I guess he's, he's trying to say something. He's trying to make a, he's, he's on a mission, right? It's a little bit like, a, 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 again, another distinction that we're talking about. Um, what's his name? Colin Kaepernick, who decided to kneel for the first time. And that was his thing. He, he was so pissed off of America and he's going to kneel. He's not going to participate in this, this, uh, you know, the celebration of America as a, as a free country and all its history and its origins. No, 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 not him. So he gets to stand out. He gets to sit down. He's not part of a larger whole at all. I guess that's the whole point that they're, we're losing the sense of a larger whole. Isn't that fair? People feel like all that matters is what you feel like doing. And the larger whole, well, that's, that's just not important. So you hear these MSNBC schmucks talking about uh, how this is no big deal. And you hear other people talking about how we need to respect the decorum and the sanctity of, of the Senate. What sanctity? What decorum? They don't care about that. If anything, they, they, they want to destroy that. They talk about respect. What, what is respect? If it's not understanding that you are part of something 
bigger than yourself, right? If you, if, but <laughs> this is a group of people that is focusing entirely on making sure that you go along with whatever your individual feelings are, right? That that's not respect. They want you to respect them for their, let's say, feeling like they're a man when they're really a woman. And at the same time, they don't have to respect you for, for being part of civilization, for advancing civilization, which depended in large part on the distinction between men and women. It's fascinating. They have contempt for you, but you have to have tremendous respect for them. I guess that's my main point. All right, I got to talk to you about this uh, uh, Merrick Garland uh, hearing that happened. And you have to hear how this uh, congressman, uh, Van Drew, uh, was grilling Garland. I thought he did a very nice job. He was focusing on the FBI and how uh, it was odd that the FBI was treating Catholics uh, as domestic terrorists and the fact there was memos to this effect and such. And, and watch how he responds. It's very interesting. Do, do you agree that traditional Catholics are violent extremists? Answer I have no question. idea what, your, what the traditional uh, means here. Catholics that go to church. Your, may I answer your question? Yes the idea no. that someone with my family background would discriminate against any religion is so outrageous. Okay, so... What does he mean by my my family background? Apparently, he had a father or grandfather who uh, suffered in the Holocaust, and therefore he's trying to push back on it. Why doesn't he just answer the question? Really, so so simple. Do you feel that Catholics are domestic terrorists? Why does he have to throw back at at uh, Van Drew? Why? Right. I mean, it's a simple question. He he he's getting very defensive instead of actually answering the question to say, no, of course I don't view them as, as domestic terrorists. That's, that's absurd. I'm surprised you're asking the question. To the extent that anybody at the FBI wrote a memo to that effect, I disagree with it wholeheartedly. That's nonsense. That's all he had to say. But instead, he took it as a personal attack. And that's where you could tell that he was lying. That's where. Let's continue. This is so absurd. Mr. Attorney it's General, it was your FBI that did this. It was your FBI that was sending, and we have the memos, we have the emails, we're sending undercover agents into Catholic churches. Both I and the director this of the FBI the, have said the that we were appalled. Have said that we were appalled by that memo. So then you agree the that FBI, they're not extremists. We were appalled by that memo. Are they extremists or not, Attorney General? I think that... Are they extremists or not, Attorney General? Everything in that memo... Okay, you see, he can't even answer that question. Why why is he hesitating? It really is a yes or no question. That's all he has to do. And and I think what Merrick Garland is doing, because he's really sweating at this point, all he has to... what, What he's trying to do is trying to anticipate the line of questioning and feels like he's being laid into a trap. But you have to answer yes or no. That's all it is. And so instead, in the in the effort to avoid some sort of trap, he ends up trapping himself anyway. Let's continue. Are they extremists or not? I'm asking a simple question. Say no if you think that was wrong. Catholics are not extremists. No. Was anyone fired for drafting and circulating the anti-Catholic memo? Okay, this is going to be very interesting. So, again, it's a yes or no question. Was there anybody fired? Right? And, and nobody was fired. Of course, we know that. But now he's going to have to try to justify this. Just watch how he plays it. You have in front of you the inspection uh, division's investigation. Just tell me yes or no, please. I don't know. We have the no answer. time. I don't know the answer to that. 
There's okay. Okay, he doesn't know the answer to that. He is the, I mean, the attorney general. He has to know these things. He's in charge of these things. The FBI is the division of the DOJ, and he, he just can't seem to get it straight. This is a major issue, and when the FBI goes rogue and says that Catholics are violent extremists, excuse me, people... <laughs> I mean, it's so absurd. And look, I talked about this in my book, um, uh, Keeping the Kids All Right, as one of the talking points about how to deal with the, the left and how they're trying to demonize uh, Christianity and Catholicism in general. And this is exactly what they're doing. They're trying, the FBI was trying to start the narrative that you should start looking at Christians and Catholics as as bad and evil people. These people who, who pursue the Bible, mind you, right? They're the bad guys. They're the evil ones, right? <laughs> I, 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 look, every, the world is inverted. That's that's the bottom line, I suppose. It's very scary, uh, and it's it's sad to hear Merrick Garland cannot how he cannot answer a simple question. All right, I want to move on to another topic. Biden is now desperate, and for that matter, the Democrats are, de- are desperate. I'm not talking about necessarily a Hunter Biden situation, although he has cause to be very concerned about that as well. Hunter Biden, as you know, was indicted solely on the gun charges. And the reason for that, of course, is that I'm, I'm being cynical here, but I'm, I'm also, I also think I'm being realistic. Um, he was indicted solely because on the gun charge because the other major charges, that is uh, the drug charges and the fact that he um, uh, took bribes and otherwise was, you know, the FARA problems, meaning the Foreign Agents uh, Registration Act, all those violations and the influence peddling, those are much, far more serious, but those would invoke and involve uh, Joe Biden. And that's the reason why they're happy to indict Hunter Biden on the gun charge, because there's nothing that Joe Biden is really t- attached to regarding that. So, no, but Biden is desperate because... And the the whole team, the whole Democrat side is desperate because the polling is now going way in favor of Trump uh, against Biden in the swing states uh, by six points on average. That that's a lot. Six points is a, is a landslide in many circumstances. Now a lot of things can change. Of course, it's only what September of uh, of twenty twenty three. It's more than a year away from the election. I get it, but. Things are going more and more in Trump's direction, despite all the indictments, despite all the hopes of getting him into prison. Uh, they, they can't seem to to knock this man down. He, he is so uh, relentless, Trump. And that's what I love about him. I, I'm, I'm even more in support of Trump now because I see how they are trying to destroy this man. And I don't want I don't want them to get away with it. I just don't. You can call him toxic. You say, oh, I don't like his tweets and everything else. I think he's brash. Yes, those those tweets were brash. He is brash. He talks too off the cuff. Who the F cares? All right. He's relentless. That's what I want in my leader. I want a pit bull. I, I want somebody who is going to go and, and uh, force China on its knees, Iran on its knees, Russia on its knees. That's the kind of president we want. And what's happening to him now only proves the point of how strong he is, how he doesn't sway under pressure. That's a real man, and that's what I want in my leader. All right? I know a lot. So in other words, not in other words, just to emphasize, I'm more excited about Trump now because of what's going on and how he's responded to it. 
that's a leader. And boy, oh boy, I'm excited about him running again. And I'm going to be even more ferocious about my support about him than I was in 2020. And 2020, I was pretty uh, supportive. Uh, everyone, everyone knows that, but I'm going to be fully supportive of him. I'm going to give whatever I can. I encourage you to give the maximum that you can to his campaign, uh, both in the uh, nomination process and then the general election as well. It's very, very important that we do this. Look, they, they are really trying to destroy this man. They know, and the only reason why they want to destroy him, and not the others, by the way, the only reason why is because they know that he will turn things around, he will destroy the swamp, he will co start calling names, and he's gonna go after Biden and show this incredible uh, spiderweb network what is it? What's what? Is it? What's it? Web? Yeah, that's this web uh, of of lies and influence peddling that has been going on under the Biden administration, and God knows uh, what other previous administrations as well. He knows where all the bodies are buried, and he is going to uncover them. It it will be so devastating to the left, and I'm not talking about those you know random individuals who cry at the sky and scream at the sky after Trump was elected the first time. I'm not talking about the average citizen. I'm talking about politicians who know <laughs> that the jig is up. All these favorite, uh, favorite treatments and, and all the, uh, the, what's going on with the illegal immigration, uh, that's all gonna end. A lot of people have been paid off in this. It, it, makes, no, it, you know, it makes sense to everyone, right? It's very logical. The reality is that Trump knows what Biden has been doing. I think everyone should know by now. We know that, that uh, Biden has been taking money and bribes uh, for influence peddling from China, from Romania, from Ukraine. We know it, okay? I mean, it, it's, so, it's so blatant. I mean, it's, you can pretend all you want that it's not, but the evidence is all there. All the accounts, all the money flowing into the country uh, to his, ultimately to his own bank accounts or to people that he's related to. Uh, and all the LLCs and S corporations that they were using to funnel that money, of course, it's, it's, it's for one purpose and one pur purpose only, influence peddling, okay? Same thing with Ukraine and Burisma. Uh, these things are obvious and it's going to come out. So everything that you're, you're seeing here is a form of desperation. I mean, it's kind of obvious, right? Four indictments within four weeks. Remember that? Okay, it's, I mean, and who knows whether or not there'll be another indictment, another sign of trouble for Donald Trump. You know, you'll see MSNBC. Well, the, the tr legal troubles of Donald Trump just keep growing. Uh, well, okay, <laughs> who's doing it, right? Another DA will be out there trying to find another ground for, for indictment. Uh, that, that's what's gonna happen. Look, we know that he took bribes, Biden, uh, and, and all the other things we just mentioned. Uh, and I'm going to say one big matzo ball as well in the, in the near future. And when you hear it, you'll say, well, Barack, maybe you've gone off the rails on this one, but you'll see what I'm talking about. And you'll say, you know what? You've got a good point. So here it is. Uh, I think that the only way to explain what's going on with the southern border, we're literally talking about, I don't know how many millions of people have streamed into uh, America from the southern border uh, since Biden became president, I think, I mean, literally millions. I mean, it should be at most hundreds, maybe a couple thousand, and that's it. But the only way to understand it is what I'm about to say. But before I say it, think about this. He not only decided not to enforce the border, 
We know that. But he actively dismantled the various aspects of the border that Trump had created, including the wall, including the stay in Mexico policy, uh, separating the families uh, where necessary because he didn't know if they were actually a family. Perhaps they were cartel members, you know, uh, uh, trafficking these children. So all these things and, and having, you know, to turn a blind eye and such and otherwise suing the state of Texas now when it tries to enforce the border. No, 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 don't enforce the border. It's very odd, right? Why, why would they do this? Why would they so? And it's, it's one thing to be lazy. All right. That's one thing. It's, an, it's another thing to actively make it easier for illegal immigration to, to make sure that they come into the country. It's a little bit like those uh, policemen who let people into the Capitol of January 6th. Could there have been a reason for that? Anyway, the reason why Biden has allowed this to happen and actively dismantled the border and wants as many millions of immigrants to come forward is because he's on the take from the cartels. Yeah. <laughs> now, like I promised you, you're saying, Barack, that sounds crazy. That sounds absolutely crazy. Well, well, why is it crazy? I mean, we know he's taking money from the Chinese, the Ukrainians and the Romanians, and God, God knows what other countries, where he's literally selling out the country. He's, he's giving it up to China for the highest bidder. And apparently it's a fairly low bid, 20 million. I mean, you know, I'm surprised he didn't ask for a couple billion. But the point is, why, why, why are you so surprised? If he's, he's, if he's willing to sell out the country, then why wouldn't he be willing to sell out, you know, make some, make some shekels from the drug cartels? This man has no moral compass. We know that. Are, are you serious? Are you saying, oh, well, he, that, that's a line too far. He, he would not, he would never take money from drug cartels. Why do you say that? Why is that so impossible? It took money from the Chinese, which I think is far worse. I think it's bad enough to take, yeah, of course, from the cartels, but taking money from the Chinese so that you can look the other way when China wants to implement its policy against the Americans? Really? What do you think is worse? I mean, I, I, yeah, of course, the Chinese aspect of it. I mean, it, it's it's such an absurdity, of course. It's like, it's like a... I mean, expecting a murderer uh, to, uh, to not commit perjury because, you know, nobody wants to commit perjury in court. That, that, that would be wrong. <laughs> but he's, he's already committed murder. Anyway, you get the idea. Very, um, uh, it's very disturbing. It, it's the only thing that makes sense when it comes to the immigration and the border. And then you add on to that the fact that they have effectively put a complete censor of all mainstream media to talk about the immigration crisis as a crisis. It is a crisis, right? They, but they say that we are manufacturing this crisis. You, you get my drift here? By suppressing it, by, by anyone who, who points out what's going on at the border, they silence it through social media and otherwise. It, it's not a, not a good thing. Now, you're, you're hearing this from all sorts of conservative uh, speakers. They're talking about these things, but they can't seem to get any traction. And we, we need to get traction. It's as simple as that. Now, we, we also have this feckless leader of ours uh, give $6 billion, $6 billion to the Iranians to release five hostages. 
And but don't worry, folks. You know he's he's giving the money, but they're only allowed. I guess technically they're unfreezing these accounts, so now they have access to it. But whatever, they still they now have six billion dollars that they didn't have before. How about that? But they promise they'll use it only for humanitarian reasons, um, and that, that's what the Biden administration tells us, right? But that's not what the Iranians are telling us. The Iranians are specifically saying exactly the opposite. Let's play that clip. Ron. But what is your expectation of its use? We're told that it's for humanitarian purposes, food and medicine. Do you believe you have the right to use that money in any way that you see fit? <laughs> so what do, you, what do you expect him to say? This is Lester Holt, of course, asking the question to this, this mullah. And uh, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's so packed in there. It's so baked in the cake. He's going to say this question. And then, of course, he's going to answer Of course, I, I can use it for whatever I want. And that's indeed what he does say. Just check and listen. This money belongs to the Islamic Republic of Iran. And naturally, we will decide, the Islamic Republic of Iran will decide to, to spend it wherever uh, we need it. Okay, so this gives lie, right, to the protests, uh, to the statements of the Biden administration that this money is only going to be used for humanitarian purposes. I mean, literally, that I think a couple of hours before uh, the spokesman for, uh, what's his name, Kirby, I think, uh, uh, for the White House says directly that uh, the six billion is only going to be used for humanitarian purposes, whatever that means, right? Uh, and, and then right after that, the mullah says, no, we, we can use it for whatever we want. And, and it's humanitarian in the sense that we can use it for our purposes, whatever we want to do. Uh, it's, it's, it's so obvious that this is just a, uh, a shell game that they're playing. This is a, a smokescreen, if you want, uh, so that they can appease the American people on this. This is a pure ransom payment. Let's, let's make that very clear. So if I hear you clearly that it will be used for more than humanitarian purposes in your view. Yes, you're damn straight. It's going to be his. What, what didn't you understand from this, Mullah? Humanitarian means whatever the Iranian people need. So this money will be budgeted for those needs. For example, I don't know, let's say a nuclear weapons program. I don't know. That's that's humanitarian in its own way. Why not? Yeah, that that's humanitarian. So, yes, definitely humanitarian needs. Wow. And the needs of the Iranian uh, people will be decided and determined by the Iranian government. Okay, so so that's it. Just to make clear that there's no there's no misunderstandings here whatsoever. We're going to do whatever we damn well please <laughs> with this money. That's it. Thank you very much. Have a nice day. Uh, I don't know how they can parlay it any other way. How, how do people? How does Biden sleep at night? saying that these things like this is the, i guess this is the same man that said you know that we're going to have an inflation reduction act and it, it turns out that it was misnamed what they really meant was to stop global warming act but you know i, I guess that the press has got too uh too uh you know junked up or something and they couldn't change the title of the of the act I, it, it, so many things are upside down in this administration and for that matter the democrat party generally speaking Boy can be a girl. Climate change is is the, the greatest crisis ever. Uh, you, um, the uh, white um, white supremacy supremacists are the the greatest threat. Uh, Catholics are are domestic terrorists, right? Uh, there are going to be spies put into Catholic churches, uh, and and people should be shunned and should be arrested 
for protesting in front of an, an abortion facility, right? But they should shut down life-affirming centers, but they, you know, anyone that commits an abortion, well, that's, that's reasonable. These are the kind of bizarre inconsistencies that are playing out right now in our country. And there's, there's lies upon lies. And the Biden administration says what it says, and people believe what they want to hear. Now, in fairness, Lester Holt, uh, it does do this interview, and he says it, and he wants to confirm it, and, and he goes through with it. But he doesn't follow up at any point when he's talking to us later on uh, to say, well, looks like the Biden administration lied to us. It's a, or, or just better yet, just is it something to say, well, it looks like there's a very different understanding of what the terms of this agreement was between uh, the Biden administration on the one hand and Iran on the other, right? That would be nice, but they can. I mean, they, they just, I, I don't know what to say. It's, uh, it, it gets me angry. It gets all of us angry. But uh, maybe good things will happen soon enough. Uh, we, we do have an impeachment inquiry hearing that's going to happen uh, in September, late September. Uh, and, and hopefully something good will come out of it. For, for sure, what's going to happen is that there will be a lot of aggressive senators who, who will be talking about, uh, sorry, about the, the Congress, rather, congressmen who will be talking aggressively toward the Biden administration, demanding answers. And it will be aired and there will be a lot of discussion about it. But, but watch the sleight of hand that you see from MSNBC and other mainstream media outlets. What they do is they simply refuse to air it because they don't want to spread the lies that the Republicans are playing, right? That this is their talk. This is the way they do. They did, they did this with Trump at first when, when he said that there were some irregularities in the voting and he, he questioned the results and, they, and they, they didn't want to give him a forum by which he can expound his crazy ideas, right? So what's to stop people from doing that when it comes to, the, to, uh, to global warming, when it comes to you know, fighting global warming or, or disagreeing with global warming or disagreeing with transgenderism, disagreeing with anything that the left wants to advance? You're crazy and we don't want to give you a forum to do so, right? So that's the same thing might happen here with these impeachment hearings. We'll just have to wait and see. I do, I do expect in, in important information to be coming out of this. So let's just wait and see. Um, look. Like I said before, Biden is facing some really difficult challenges. It's his age. It's Kamala Harris as the vice president. The chances of him continuing on, whether because he dies or because he just is incapacitated under the 25th Amendment, uh, who knows? But he, there's no way. I mean, no, nobody could seriously think that he's going to be able to, uh, if he gets reelected, to be able to serve out the full four years of the second term. Something would happen, right? He's going to be incapacitated one way or the other. Uh, nobody wants Kamala Harris. It's a big deal. Look, it, it, things are looking very poorly for Joe Biden. They, they, people be, are beginning to sense that something's wrong with this guy. He's a crook. He's at least very corrupt. Um, and he's certainly not getting anything done. He's not helping with the Iranians. He's not pushing back on the Chinese. He's not whip, you know, destroying inflation. He's not curbing inflation. He's making us dependent on uh, foreign oil, all the things that you know. And of course, yes, that's right, Devin, the, uh, the invasion from the southern border. These are, these are big issues. And, and not one single thing can you point to and say, well, that, you know, at least he did X. That's great. Uh, but he, he, there's not one, right? I mean, there's a lot of bills that he passed that he claims to say will we'll do great things, but that, that's not the same thing as actually achieving them. Forcing a bill down the American throat is, is not, not a great achievement unless you actually achieve something, 
right? Let, let's see the inflation go down. Let's see the economy roar. Let's see us not so dependent on foreign oil. Let's see the border secure and so forth. And none, of the, none of those things are happening. None. Okay. So what do they have to do? This is, they're getting into such desperate territory. They are going to do what they need to do to make sure that Donald Trump is not president. And it's, it's not just the indictments that, that are already passed, not just the, the attempt to glom him to January 6th and to, to make him seem like an evil, uh, evil man in every way possible, and the future investigations that will, no doubt will happen. It's not just that. Uh, they're, they're, go they're, they're already working very hard on the mail-in ballot situation. They're already working hard to, to scheme the 2024 election. And as part of that, they're going to do another COVID respread sort of argument. You'll, you'll see. What they're arguing is that there's a new COVID strain out there. And I don't doubt that there is. I'm, I'm sure that there are some hospitals reporting more COVID cases. But they want to make it a big deal. And they want to use it yet again as another basis for them to go forward with a shutdown or at the very least to allow people to not have to go into that fearsome um, election uh, ballot precinct and, and have to actually interact with other people. So we better get them a whole bunch of mail-in ballots. That's right. That's our only answer. If, if democracy is to be saved, that's what we need to do during this new crisis, which coincidentally is happening about four years after the previous crisis. So, you know, by the way, I, I expect in the, you know, in the future that we'll have crises like this that would justify some sort of dramatic overhaul of our election system. I don't know. I'd say, Devin, maybe once every four years, yeah, just choosing a number out of the hat. Um, that's, that's what I think. How about that? <laughs> so, uh, look, it, 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 let, let's hear it from them, okay? You, you'll hear the tension in their voice saying, Bad things are happening. Bad things are happening. New so concerns over COVID-19 infections. According to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, hospitalizations are up nearly 19%, while deaths have increased nearly 18%. Elaine Quijano is here with a look behind this late summer COVID surge. Elaine okay, COVID surge. Okay, these are buzzwords that they're beginning to say, and then they will use it for purposes of justifying a shutdown. They'll, they'll strongly encourage a shutdown. Now, I don't think we'll have another shutdown. I think that uh, the American people are just so tired of it. They just don't have the stomach for it. And it, 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 we, we are now very clear on what happened during the shutdown, how terrible it was for our kids. We're not buying it. Okay, let's continue on. Thank you. Good morning. Good morning. Well, it appears to be a combination of factors, according to public health officials, including highly contagious variants, summer travel and heat waves driving people indoors to stay cool. It is all adding up to more cases and increased worries for health officials. Health officials. OK, watch watch that word, because health officials, whoever they are, right? I mean, she doesn't define that, doesn't even say the CDC or in particular, not that we should rely on the CDC at all. They've they've lost all credibility as far as I'm concerned. But watch how she just talks about this elusive and kind of vague group of people who are officials and experts. Uh, and, you know, we, we, we should listen to them. COVID is making a comeback just in time for holiday travel. I have not yet had COVID. I am the comorbidity kid. 
and so I am careful. With cases on the rise, some retailers are running out of tests. Walgreens tells CBS News, we are seeing greater demand, which may cause temporary and isolated shortages. In Los Angeles, cases have doubled in the last month, with nursing homes hit hard. There have only been a few times in the past year and a half when we saw this many new outbreaks in skilled nursing facilities. And these were during the previous summer and winter surges. In New Jersey, one in four nursing homes are reporting an outbreak. Dr. William Schaffner specializes in infectious diseases at Vanderbilt University Medical Center in Nashville. How concerned should we be? Well, I think we ought to take note of it because there has been some spillover into hospitalizations. Some hospitals are reinstating mask mandates. Uh, there we go. We're beginning. Even though the mask mandates didn't work, we know that they didn't work. They, 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 they were unable to show how masks actually stopped the transmission of the COVID virus. Okay, they, they're unable. But suddenly, now we're talking about mask mandates again. You're seeing that this is the precursor to a shutdown, or at least to an effort for a shutdown. People who are older, who have underlying chronic medical conditions, who are immune compromised, and who are pregnant, we ought to get those masks out again to protect ourselves. The CDC says the new COVID booster will be available in a few weeks. Wow, and I'm so looking forward to that. Wow, I can't wait to get the COVID booster. And the CDC says it. Yeah, they finally get to the CDC. Uh, and, and that will be great. Yeah, they, again, they, they give you this idea that everything is getting more and more elaborate and it's going to be more and more infectious. And they talk about this new strain being extremely contagious, which, as you know, if you've heard my podcast long enough, you know that I think that's a great thing. The more contagious it is, the less we have to worry about it. All right? That, that's, that's basic. And if you do get it when it's an extremely more contagious uh, strain, that means that you'll be immune for the next strain and so forth. They don't get stronger, these strains. They get weaker, as, as most viruses do. So let, let's be smart about this, but let's also be cynical about this too. The fact is that they're looking for an opportunity to shut down the country. Let's be smart about this. Let's make sure that we never let them get away with this. And we cannot let what happened in 2020 with the shutdown of our country happen once again. And it's only for political purposes. You know it and I know it. All right. One last thing, uh, a really great story that I, I really am happy to share. Uh, Pennsylvania children walk out of school to protest the school district's bathroom policy. Yeah, that's right. Isn't that great? Hundreds of students from Pennsylvania, this is from Fox News, hundreds of students from Pennsylvania's Perkman, Perkyoman uh, Valley School District walked out of class on Friday after the local school board failed to enact a policy requiring transgender students to use the restroom corresponding with their biological sex. Quote, kids were upset. Girls, we wanted to protect them. They were upset. They didn't want men in their bathroom. Yes. Exactly. I, I don't, I don't, why is this so complicated for the, for everyone? You know, look, if, if you're transgender, if you're confused about your gender, you know what, you need to, you need to work it through, go to the therapist, uh, do whatever you need to do to figure this out. But we, we don't need to turn on you. We, we don't have to change our world to please you because it, it's a dysphoria. It's a mental illness 
that you have. We don't have to pretend along with you. Okay? I, I mean, what if, what if a schizophrenic who thinks that he's uh, multiple personalities, right? I mean, whatever that particular di- uh, disorder is. And are we obliged now to recognize all of his personalities, right? Other, otherwise, we're not being fair. We have to lean into his mental illness. But that's what they want to do here. Anyway, I'm very proud of these, uh, these children who walk out because they're, they're terrified. It's, it's not appropriate. A lot of violence can happen uh, if these children... Uh, have to deal with a transgender male coming into a girl's bathroom. And I say this as a parent of a girl. Uh, that dog don't hunt with me. If that were to happen um, in my child's school, uh, I would raise some bloody hell. Thankfully, that's not happening. If they were to entertain the idea of letting a transgender kid go in, uh, it, it would just not work. It would not work. We have too many conservative parents, thankfully, in my, my kid's school. And so we're, we're pretty uh, pretty strong and don't have to worry about that so much. But but that means that we have to be resistant all the time. We have to be vigilant all the time. Always be watching for what the left is always trying to thrust upon us. And I guess that's the point of my book too, right? Keeping the kids all right. We, we always want to make sure that uh, the kids are indeed all right. Always getting ahead of the issues, w- watching ahead of time. In my book, uh, the, I, I have a very nice subchapter called uh, Find Your Inner Israeli. And what do I mean by that? The Israelis are constantly on guard because they have to be on guard. The, the Arab enemies are surrounding them are constantly looking for an opportunity, especially the Palestinian terrorists, uh, Hezbollah and Hamas, uh, and all the other terrorist organizations that um, are with, within the, the Palestinian territories and, for that matter, outside of the Israeli borders. Um, they, they can't afford to make a mistake. They just can't. So they have to constantly anticipate and constantly be in the know of what the latest new trends are uh, among the terrorist organizations. Uh, and, that, and they have to listen to the chatter and everything else. And unfortunately, you've got to find your inner Israeli. As a parent, you have to watch out for what's going on. You have to constantly be on the pulse. And, and to do that, an easier way to do that is to get ahead of these issues uh, and, and talk about them before the school starts talking to them. Anyway, I talk about this at length in my book, the Keeping the Kids All Right, Keeping the Kids All Right, available on Amazon. Thank you once again to Dennis Prager for his incredible support for my book, and he loves it. And boy, it was, it was great to, to be on board with him. All right, folks, Brock Lurie signing off, saying thank you so much. God bless, and we'll talk with you next week. 